it happen, come on, cast. Gotta make it happen with your fast break action. Gotta make it happen, just keep on coming on. Gotta make it happen, come on, cast. In Brooklyn. What? It is Matt Younger. Say hello, Matty. Matty, how you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. Good to see you in the flesh. Uh, you too. Hmm. Super exciting. Second time we've done this in person. You know, it's always better in person. It's nice. Yeah. With you in the eye. Rather than just that picture of you I have um, next to my bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I was going to go different. I was going to say at least I can I can look you in the eye and decide whether I'm going to trust you or, uh, or whether you're going to knife me in the back. That's true. It's always a possibility. Welcome! To Cleveland Sports Hour, we are two self-aware but unapologetic homers who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the Cavs, the Browns, and the Tribe. So if you'd like the informed, intelligent Cleveland fan's perspective, you've come to the right place. Come on, Cavs! Sometimes you just need to go back to the basics. We're going to kick things off today with a special All-Star Weekend look at the Cavs and the second half, so to speak. It's actually further into the second half already, but post-All-Star break. Correct. Uh, future of their season. Uh, especially what to expect at the trade deadline Thursday, this Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, then we'll round things out with some Browns news, and Maddie will tell me some things about the tribe because I have not been paying attention at all. You're going to want to start. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Maddie, I, I want to start off with so we had a yeah, big All Star game last night. We're recording this um, on Monday, President's Day, mm-hmm. uh, which used to be what? In line with Lincoln's birthday? Because Lincoln's birthday was like. Yeah, I think it was Lincoln's. Yeah, Lincoln's, Lincoln's and Washington's used to be separate holidays, right? That's right. They and combined it, them. Yeah, into one President's Day. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we're recording this day after the, after the All-Star break. All-Star uh, game. Uh, All-Star game, excuse me, uh, which was interesting in its own right. One thing to say about that, uh, having watched it, most of it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to begin with, there was only one, well, two Cavs, one Cavs player, LeBron James. Um, how many teams, Matty? Uh, in the East, had two All Stars. Let, let's count real quick. I, I believe the Chicago Bulls did, although Jimmy Butler was hurt. Mm-hmm. But still, mm-hmm. uh, the Atlanta Hawks, Horford and uh, Millsap, both made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the host Toronto Raptors had two. Uh, the disappointing Miami Heat, I believe, had two. Miami Heat. Wade and Bosch, mm-hmm. man. Uh, I think that are they it. above five hundred? How many games above five hundred are they? Two. Two games above Three. 500. I guess two games, you two players. Um, I guess. Uh, a little insulting, no? I, I would think so. Um, now, you could say we did have the coach, Teron Liu, so we have two Cavs representatives. We have the entire coaching staff. Is that, you know... Yeah, I'm not... Because that's the rule. The rule, right, is the team with the best record um, gets first crack. Gets it, unless you're... Re- unless Repeating. you re- Heated, I think. Which is why we didn't Which have is why that. Popovich was coaching it rather than Kerr mm-hmm. and Waltman and whoever right. else. In right, the right, right. Um, makes sense. I think it was the Riley rule. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's re- it's a weird thing, right? Because mm-hmm. Kyrie would have been it if he'd been healthy, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. He slots in pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um and we, and we had some we had some injuries late. So like you know uh, uh, who was the first guy to go out? Bosch was out, but then who else? Who, before Bosch, somebody, somebody Jimmy Butler went out. Jimmy Butler went out, and they replaced him with Pau Gasol, with Gasol. which gave them two All Stars. Um, and then uh, Bosch, when they replaced him with uh, Horford, Horford giving Atlanta their second All Star and uh, C.J. McCollum in the three point contest. A little weird. It's a, a 
insult to JR? JR doesn't even want it. JR wants to be insulted. I like JR in this. Yeah, yeah me too. In this mode. Me too. Um, and honestly, that's where I was going to go with this, is I sort of like the Cavs in this. Like, let's get a little disrespected. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be a, a recurring theme for me later in this podcast, Pat. But people are disrespecting the shit out of the Cavs. Yes. Big pot shots at us after games, uh, pot shots at Teron Lu and mm-hmm. uh, our situation. No, I hope this fuels us. I, that's what I want, too. Yeah. Bad. Big time. They need it. They need a little something to get into them. They and need I need a fucking edge. And to coalesce around something, and I'm hoping all of this can be that thing. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, what's nice about this new... Uh, we're using new software to record this podcast called TriCast. Uh, and we got a little clock here going. Yeah. You think this is going to keep me on time? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Come I on, think it's going to give you something to break through. <laughs> We got a target to reach. <laughs> Let me stretch know. this out a little longer. Uh, so uh, yeah, did you pay attention to the All Star game? Well, obviously, watched the, we watched the, the game, game together. Last night. Did you watch any of the other events? I just watched you... hi- highlights and stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I saw was Jason da- Jason Sudeikis uh, yeah, was having a uh, game. Oh man, he was he was uh, four he might, seven from three point range. You might, even, you might even say you might even say he was. What do you think he was doing? Oh, he was. It's me. The bottom three is he was the uh, I believe the highest graded celebrity from that game. I mean, oh, no, he looked great. Look I'm back, baby. Ooh. I never left. Uh, I'm just in the Midwest. I'm bombing threes from every book's angle. It's me. I'm bombing threes from every book's angle. On your TV, relevant. LeBron, have you heard of him? Playing with Kyrie, Irving and Dunn. It's all love in the corner. Two pass, flash, top performer. Who the heck even know black? Catch me at the Q straight, Chuck and best believe that. Call me the King's Ransom. But still, enigmatic, athletic, and handsome, city the liability. They told me I need a new scenery, plus Cuyahoga greenery. And finally, I've got something to believe in. Now that I'm in Cleveland, I'ma tell you what this means to me. The best player in the world is feeling me. To miss me, I'm not gone. I'm just balling. Sorry, Phil Jackson. I was for real. I wanted to grow in your glorious garden, but I was lost in a triangle. And I had to leave New York, man. Too much Thursday up in the club. I ain't going out in Cleveland. Play a game, man. Soaking the tub. Me and Shump, the New York boys. And now we cavalier and blood. We clicked up with the K. Imagine. Jail with the ring. No need to miss me. I'm not gone. I'm just balling with a wrong. Some so right just can't be wrong. Everybody just needs a place where they belong. Oh, I would cross all they 
is like five foot six. He's tiny. Yeah. I mean, shorter. I think that's crazy. Um, Anything else in the All Star? I mean, game you know, I mean, 190 points. Uh, one thing I would like to see the All Star game do is is actually like they should they should if somebody the gameplay was terrible. We need to get somebody from WWE, a producer from WWE, to produce. Oh, the game, game. Show us script the it, script yeah. it. So you're like, you know, we're gonna have this moment, this moment. Then the actual plays happen. You see what happens. Yeah. So like, or, or the globe trotters. Like, it needs to be like, it needs to be goofy shit planned into it, and actually have it be right. Because if it's gonna be a farce, let's make it a really enjoyable. Farce, yeah, exactly. Right? Well, the so best... we need to see Kobe go one on one against LeBron, yeah. Wade, and Carmelo, or one, whatever. One point against each of these guys, yeah. where everyone else clears out, yeah. like on stands along the sidelines. Yeah. And this is actual game. We're playing yeah. along. The score doesn't matter, right? Yeah. No one gives a shit. Uh, and I, don't, I honestly don't want my my all star playing really hard in all star game no. if if we have a chance. Like I remember when the the Pistons started playing real hard defense that one year. Yeah, when they, they put all four of them in. Yeah, it was they, the four of them plus LeBron? I think yeah, in that yeah, game, yeah, yeah. And they started making a comeback, and that was kind of cool. But at the same time, like it's no. If, it's, it's, if we're gonna make it a farce, make it an entertaining one. They really should do that because also the best moment was when like you know uh, uh, he started you know uh, Kobe was going down LeBron. LeBron got real excited like oh, slap the ground, hands, slap the yeah. Let's go, let's go. That was fun. Like that's great. That's what you want to see. I agree. More of that. More of the players talking trash to each other and having a good time. It's not a. It's a. Yeah. an exhibition. Yeah, I, I really think they got to replace the coaching staffs with producers who just produce the whole thing and uh, and then I let them play. That's, that's not a bad idea, idea, Patty. Yeah. I'm an idea man, Patty. So that's what I do. And a producer. Yeah, that's right. And a producer. Well. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my call. Right. It's uh, out there, commissioner. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, if, if, the other thing that was really interesting about the All Star Game weekend was just like how. The, the, I mean, I haven't watched it in years, and the pageantry and the introductions. You missed it, but it took like 20 minutes to just interest everyone individually. Had dancers on the side, you know, dancing mm-hmm. while his, his name was announced. Drake was up there. Uh, he actually crowned LeBron, which is a nice little touch. Uh, it was just, it, and they had a bunch of. Uh, it's kind of like a kind of in keeping now, I think, with you know MB, the NBA culture of like you know, style, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, the Cavs have tweets almost every after every single game, Instagrams of guys and their style. Like, what you had some origin story on this, like of like where it came from. Oh, so fashion super important to the NBA right now. You think about the biggest, super important to LeBron. Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook's mm-hmm. way up in that. I mean, you just go through Carmelo, Tristan Thompson does it. Like, there's a lot of guys for whom fashion is super important. Yeah. And I think it's a direct outgrowth of the dress code that the NBA put into place as a reaction to the Allen Iverson, I'm using scare quotes here, thug yeah. reputation that they had, right. where guys, if they were not playing, if they were hurt or inactive, were on the bench and just I mean you know like long white t-shirts and mm-hmm. rags and hat backwards and all that stuff and the NBA didn't like that and cleaned it up and I sort of objected to it for the reasons you would think somebody right. like me would object to that uh, but it sort of turned into this really cool thing where guys are like alright well let's dress up and get super into that mm-hmm. and have that be our thing and the league is like the players in the league have really embraced that and it's a really influential yeah. thing it's an example of maybe dress codes aren't the worst thing in the world and it took it someplace very interesting. Mike, I wouldn't have expected it to go ten years ago whenever they made that decision. Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Uh, uh, I love the, the the increasingly ridiculous outfits that they're putting on. Uh, it's it's you know it's, it's part of the pageantry. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny thing I remember like with David Blatt. David Blatt was apparently really uncomfortable with wearing uh, suits because that's what coaches have to do. 
he, he was usually wearing jumpsuits, wear jumpsuits, right? jumpsuits and stuff, right? But he looked like such a douche wearing the jacket. Every time you cut them, he was straightening his tie. Mm-hmm. Straightening his tie. He's not, I mean, I, I guess that could be somebody who's uncomfortable with his suit, but the fact that he kept doing it, I expect someone to have like the tie off in the corner and he's like, not paying attention to you it. You also don't need to wear a tie as a coach. Yeah. Pop so, doesn't wear a tie. Yeah. I, it's a very weird, another, another weird mm-hmm. enigmatic thing about Mr. Blatt. Um, I, I have another question, Matty, before we move on to the basketball. I apologize, everyone. We're, we'll, we will get to basketball, actual real basketball talk, mm-hmm. that all-star meaningless stuff. Uh, Matt, you went to see a Bone Thugs concert. Yeah, speaking of Thug. Mm. Speaking of Thug. Uh, we relayed a podcast a couple weeks ago because I went to see Bone Thug in, uh, yeah, one of the, in San Francisco. That's one of like, only five acceptable excuses to delay a podcast. I know. I, think. I know. Uh, all five guys were there, which is exceedingly rare if you've mm-hmm. gotten to see them in recent years. They made a big deal about it, so I was super excited. And I remember our friends were texting you saying, like, are you are you, are you pumped or are you worried this is going to not be good? And I think you sent me along the lines that there's absolutely no chance it's going to be bad. Yeah. I, it was, of course. It's going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> sucked? Yeah. So bad. It sucked? So bad. The people I went with... No! Uh, we sort of got through the night and got out of there and got home and didn't really say anything, and then somebody sent a text to the chain the next day and was like, Honestly, it's a day later, and I gotta tell you, that was no good. And everybody else was like, "No, you're right." I didn't want to say anything because I oh, kept no. wanting it to kick into high gear, and I just kept hoping it would get good. But it was a rough show. Mm. I mean, part of it was the production was just really bad. They were doing a lot of bad lip syncing. Ooh, lip syncing. Trying to get they came out. I this is an old man complaint, but they came out like two hours late. Mm-hmm. Ran a bunch of crappy warm up acts out there from the Mo Thugs family, which just didn't. Didn't sit. It was uh, it was disappointing. On the other hand, the band's twenty years old, man. Those guys are in their forties. Yeah, we met them. Yeah, no, it was a proud, proud day in our lives. Actually, the preceding the last in person to person podcast, That's right? We did. Yeah, in person. It uh, it was very disappointing. Ah, oh, that's a bummer. It stunk. Because I mean, in contrast to the last time, it was like it blew your mind. Had a great, had a, put on a great show. It's excellent. I came out of that saying, if Bone Thugs comes into your area, go see him. It's a good show. I don't know that I can make that recommendation anymore. Very sad. Um, well, to turn things around a little bit, I have a surprise surprise question for you. I do I spring these on you from time oh. to time. Oh, I do love a surprise. So here, I, I feel you're about to get outraged. So you tell me. <laughs> oh, okay, hold on. I'm position myself. Settle in. Okay, I'm ready. So I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons' podcast. I'm already angry. uh, (laughs) With his his friend, uh, House from D.C., who he has on, and they were talking about the Warriors and how good they are. That's all all fine and good. Circle And then they got, he talked about uh, his friend's experience of going to see them in Washington Mm -hmm. and how everybody was so pumped up for them. They haven't seen this since the the 72-win Bulls team. All that stuff. Fine, fine. And then they said, you know, it's really... What a likable team. It's impossible to imagine somebody not liking them. In fact, who would you even hate if you had to try to find somebody to hate on that team? What? And I believe I screamed what? out loud as I was walking, listening to this <laughs> fucking Draymond Green. Are you fucking Draymond me? Green. Are you fucking kidding me? Sorry, and I think right? they said, I guess maybe Bogan. Somebody oh. couldn't find a reason not to like. I mean, of course. No one. Who, who, sorry. Who actually likes Bogan besides his fucking mother and Australians, maybe? Who likes that asshole? I was. He's voted like the like the like dirtiest player along with uh, Delhi. Like, de- yeah, uh, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Although most, I forget, like most players like dismiss the Delhi stuff because they're just like, ah, eh, they don't like him because he plays hard. Right. Bogut, however, is actually dirty. Like, Barry. Bogut will do shit. Uh, I forget, who, I, who do they ask about that? I think we made that quote. I should look that up. 
It, but, uh, I was gobsmacked. And part of it is because the two teams that they root for, the Celtics and, and the Wizards, are bad. Yeah, so they can just bad watch it. Like, yeah. And they know they're not a threat. And that's, I mean, that's a whole thing about the... The kill list. This it really gets amped up when you're when you're when, when you're, you're getting your hopes and expectations yeah, up yeah. and having on the line. But yeah. even outside of that, the way Draymond comports himself out there, constantly screaming at officials, screaming at them, never gets a fucking tech. Un- unreal to me. Yeah, one tech, I think, the game before uh, the Cavs uh, destruction. The Detroit loss. Mm-hmm. He got teed up. He got teed up. Um, yeah, I'm unfucking believable. Shocked and appalled. I mean, I'm not shocked at all that Bill Simmons has a fucking horrible take, but that's that's fucking outrageous. I can't imagine who would like imagine. this time. Who who could who, you hate? Who on this team? Cast your imagination as far afield as you can. Who could you find to dislike on this team? Chewing your mouth guard all game. What could be annoying about that? Taking the worst shots in basketball and making them. You know, I mean, I guess how that's just, you know, a good player, but still, it's that's also just like, well, fuck, man. Like, if you don't, if you don't, you're not a cheering for that team, you fucking hate that guy. Yeah. He takes the worst shots in basketball except with the three-pointers. So, mm-hmm. you know, that makes him, I guess, from a statistical perspective, an analytical perspective, pretty good. That's the thing, this the analytical dream team, and they are, in many respects, what makes them unbeatable is not the, the, the analytic side of it. It's the fact they have Steph fucking Curry, who... They're the two best shooters in the league right now. And Draymond, who's a uh, pretty unique animal. Because he, he shoots like over 40% from three, but shoots under 70% from the free throw line? Who, who has ever fucking done that? If he finishes his career, the season out with plus 40% from three. I gotta look this up because I feel like under 70%. Did that. It was a terrible, a good. Uh, Bruce Bowen. You I think, think Bruce Bowen? I think Bruce Bowen. It's a terrible free throw shooter. was a really bad free throw shooter and an excellent three point shooter. All right. Uh, well, while we talked about the next topic, Manny, I'm gonna look up the, the stats on that. That's, a, that's an interesting topic. Um, I feel like it is. There's somebody out there for sure. I just it just seems it seems sort of unprecedented to me. Um, all right, now we're gonna get into the real ba- the real uh, basketball stuff here. I, I want to start off, Maddie, with I mean, beginning of this season, uh, Cavs struggled out the gate. We knew, you know, we had good reason to expect they were struggle. The Kyrie felt was good out the felt good out. Oh, the I, out the gate first two weeks, yes. But then after that, we couple tough games, games lost right? to the Pistons, lost to the Bucks. Yep, and uh, we, we, were, we were sounding a, sounding the alarms, and this is where it started. You were sounding the alarm right before I think we played the Bucks again, our, our rematching. Yes, the Bucks, That's correct. And I said, I'm not ready to panic yet. If we lose bad at the Bucks, sure. But we just need to play harder, play smarter. That was my whole thing. We have the unit. You were concerned about the team not being good enough athletically. Uh, and this is the moment where you started to panic early. And I started to uh, uh, stick my head in the sand, I guess, if we're going to be equally uh, yes. um, uh, de- denigrating each other. Yes, that's right. Uh, You're ignoring issues. <laughs> and you were shooting your pants. So uh, we, that was the first marker. Yeah, the Cavs rebound a little bit, and then, you know, uh, uh, Shup came back, Kyrie came back. Um, but then the second shellacking from the, the Warriors. Warriors happened, and then the Blatt firing, and all of a sudden, you and I have switched. I'm very nervous about the Cavs, although I've been very encouraged. We'll talk more about this. I mean, I certainly said in our strut episode last week how encouraged I was by what Ty Lue was trying to do with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. I like the direction things are moving in. Um, you, you know, there, there's still things things around out uh, or to, to, to fix, and obviously we saw that uh, in the uh, games leading up to the All Star break. Um, but Maddie, you you are now the hopeful one, yeah, which is a big turnaround, and I don't I want I flipped it, buddy. I want to know why. Tell tell me tell me why you are suddenly hopeful for the Cavs. Um, there's probably not a great there's there's some psychoanalysis and introspection that would have to be done upon me to really see why 
I flipped in this way personally. Mm-hmm. Like feeling the, I, I mean, but what, what are you seeing in the Cavs now that that that? So that Spurs make, game was a big deal to me. Yeah, agree. Right, that was our that was our final test. I think everybody was a little leery and, and worried that the Spurs were going to come in and, and kick our butts, uh, and the exact opposite happened. Huh. Uh, yeah. Right, and we played the way that I think we are capable of playing. I think the stuff that I heard coming out of the team about Blatt and why they fired him, mm-hmm. uh, while it supported your point of view of what was wrong with the team, suggested that there were... I'm sorry, what was that, that, that? I was right? Supported your point of view about what was wrong with the team. Um, and also suggested that there's a way forward with Lou that's real, right? About how we're how the game's being run, how we're utilizing love, all this stuff. Uh, how the LeBron's being held accountable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I started to remember more something that you were saying during during my despair, which was this team took that Warriors team to six games minus its second and third best players. Yeah. And the argument people make is, well, but then the Warriors figured out small ball, and that's what's been destroying everybody ever since. Sort of, yeah, but also we were we were playing seven guys and mm-hmm. were just exhausted. We didn't have the guns to keep up in that series, and assuming that we're relatively healthy, we have that this year. And also that's a garbage argument because the, the, the Warriors rolled that lineup out last year many times. They didn't start it. They started it in the finals. It they started starting. Starting the, the, the bench bogan. Right. Yeah. Uh, and... But they didn't. They aren't starting the the, the lab of death now. They, they went back to their yeah. former. They're just they're just better. I, and I also think the um, the, the Western Conference playoffs are going to be insane, mm. absolutely insane. And I think that might be <laughs> laughing about Pat's son waking up. Yeah, this is trouble. Um, well, I mean, we'll make you know, we'll, we'll have to work it out. Keep we'll, we'll make a go of it. I think that the gauntlet that they're going to have to run. This is a serious thing. It's, mm-hmm. There's plenty of people who would argue that the Spurs are the better team right now and better mm-hmm. situated to come through that anyway. There's plenty of people who would argue that the Thunder are the team that everybody should really be worried about, especially if they're able to make a move this week. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody in the East scares me, still. No. Whatever happens on Thursday against the Bulls, they don't scare me in a, in a no. playoff series. No. Um, I don't know, man. Pat, you know, why not hope? Why not hope? This is what I've been saying. Why not? You know, look, you can keep your head in the sand, but I'm going to be hopeful about something. <laughs> all right? I love you that. <laughs> right? That, was, that made no sense at all. Uh, uh, but no, this is what I've been saying. Like, look, it, we have the sense of dread as Cavs fans, as mm-hmm. fans, right? That, uh, it, that don't get your hopes up because we're gonna, they're going to be crushed, right? We're going to lose, right? It's like, I spin that around. I'm a Cleveland fan. Losing is the foregone conclusion. Yeah. I know that's going to happen. You've done it. You can't, I, I've you already, can't kill me, Pat. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. <laughs> I've already resigned myself to dying without uh, seeing a Cleveland sports championship, uh, a major Cleveland sports championship of any kind. I, I already pretty mostly convinced that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's the time I'm going to die, and there won't be a championship. So why the fuck would I also be despairing the whole time? I'm instead going to say, fuck it. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And then if we don't, it's like, ah, of course we're I, th- I, I think you're right. I think there's a, a move that I'd like to see them make. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what, but a type of player I'd love to see them get to add a little depth. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I think if we are utilizing love better in the ways that we've been saying for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, 
There's there's nobody in this league that we cannot beat. And I think it. Uh, we talked about this last night. I think what we really need to see, and are starting to see a little bit, is mm-hmm. Kyrie make a leap. Yeah, yeah. And I think he is a hundred percent capable of doing that. Um, and that's what that's. We're gonna go as far as he is able to uh, to take us. Let's go first before we get to Kyrie, because Kyrie is the big is the key mm-hmm. for sure, and that's where I want to kind of close our Cavs talk out. Let's let's start with some of the trade talk. Um, you brought uh, uh, to my attention uh, the a, a interesting trade item that uh, was I think first posted by the New York Daily News, Frank Casola, then uh, aggregated by some Boston beat writer. Mm-hmm. Um, who those are giving the most play. And the trade was first of all, there wasn't a specific trade outline at all. It was just a bunch of names thrown out. Yes. It was Kevin Love, it was Carmelo. Carmelo was essentially it. Kevin Love, Carmelo, the Celtics, and, and, the Cavs, and the Nets. And the Celtics would Whoa. have like some of the Nets pick or whatever yeah. somewhere in there. So I, I think the idea that they would the backbone of this trade would have been Love to Boston, yeah. of course. The Nets pick to the Knicks, maybe some other spare That's, parts of yeah. between, and then Melo, Melo to the Cavs. To the Cavs. Just Break down to me just this this heaping pile of bullshit. Yeah. So this I came about. I, I found this first on Twitter because I think uh, Michael Schur, who tweets under Ken Tremendous and is a Boston fan, responded to an initial post up from the New York Daily News with an um what, and then Seth Meyers responded to that with an um what, and somebody else also responded with an um what, and my reaction was uh this is total BS. Why is anybody paying any attention to this? I get the love rumors are out there and are going to continue to be out there, and that's just something we're going to have to deal with for some foreseeable period of time. Carmelo Anthony makes absolutely zero sense to me as a viable option for this team. Why would we want Carmelo Anthony? We have a problem right now with the ball sticking in LeBron's hands and Kyrie's hands, mm-hmm. right? That's the problem. We're making some, 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 some uh, uh, mediocre steps of progress towards, right? Yeah. So the solution to that problem is to add a third ball dominant wing player who right. doesn't play defense, yeah. who is aging and even more prone to injury right now at this stage of his career than Kevin Love and right. older. Right. But I, no, nothing about this makes sense for the Cavs. Falling apart as we watch him, needs the ball in order to be effective and really do anything. I, mean, I think I think what I told you when I heard about this was that this is nothing more than New York and Boston reporters peddling fantasies to their to their readers. Yes. And that's all this is. That's I, why we keep hearing it. I think that's I think that's true. And that's sort of what's been been validated in the time since. I mean, Carmelo asked about it, said, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. LeBron says, this is garbage. Fine, appreciate that they could be lying about this, but it, just on its surface, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no sense. Love conceivably can fit in with the team that we have. It yeah. makes all the sense in the world. Latin just wasn't doing it, and that's a huge indictment of him, and one of the reasons I'm okay with him getting canned. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it, he couldn't get the players, whatever it was. It yeah. didn't happen on his watch, that's his responsibility. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, he fits in way better with this unit than than Carmelo would. Absolutely, could yeah. possibly fit in with them. Yeah, it, it just it it doesn't add up from from moment one to me. Any other uh, trade talk you've been seeing as worth uh, commenting on? Uh, and I'm gonna now uh, Solomon's gonna be my my, my uh, four four month old is gonna be joining us for the rest of the podcast now. Oh, so, nice. So we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes. It'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. So Maddie, but you but while I go get my son, uh, Maddie will will we'll share his thoughts. I, I want I'll run talk. through a couple more that we've heard. So, uh, Mazdoff and, and Mo Williams and Amon Shumpert are sort of the three names you hear being thrown around. Andy Barishow a little bit, although he has enough years left on his deal. And I think people feel like LeBron loves him enough that they don't really want to go that route. Um, 
Mozgov to the Grizzlies, who just lost Marcus Saul for Courtney Lee, is a rumor that's out there. Mo Williams to the Jazz for Jeff Withy, which doesn't do anything for me. Uh, the Cavs hot on Costa Kufis uh, from Sacramento or Ben McLemore, who apparently they were thinking about drafting whichever year he came out. Um, the only one of those that really does anything for me is, uh, is Costa Kufis. I think I'd be interested in getting him in here. And if they were willing to do a Mozgov for Costa Kufis, I think uh, with the trade exception that we have from the Haywood deal, we can make the salaries work. It's five for Mozgov, and I think Costa Kufis has three more years and $8 million per, which is not crazy for him. So I think we can swing that $3 million with the trade exception. Mozgov comes off the books for the Kings next year, who theoretically would be just doubling down on Cousins and Cauley Stein. Uh, and then hopefully Kupas comes in and is one, both a little bit more skilled offensive player than what we've seen from Mozgov recently and provides the same amount of rim protection that Mozgov could. So that one does a what, little something for me. How, how do we get Kupas? What, what have you heard of as the most reasonable? Mozgov. The one I just said is just Mozgov, straight Kupos, up for right. him, mm -hmm. comes off the Kings books. Right. And they, they don't need Kupos. They dump the salary because they want Cousins and, and Colley Stein. Mm -hmm. Maybe we throw in a second round pick or something as, as sweetener. Uh, and who knows? I mean, the Kings are crazy. crazy. They're a crazy organization, so anything's possible. That one interests me a little. The other type, you know, there's there's Kyle Korver rumors out there, which I honestly we don't have the assets for that, do we? I depends how desperate the Hawks are to, to blow things up. Right. It wouldn't doesn't feel like we'd have it. And honestly, I'm not. I think that his moment passed. Last year was his year. Was peak Kyle Korver. And then Delhi broke his leg. Right. <laughs> that, the same that, that was that. Yeah. Um, other than that, the so we need a rim protector, and either we're betting that Mozgov can be that guy again, and he's just the head case and head injuries, and he'll get there, or we can go try to find somebody. Costa Kubis would be an acceptable version of that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I think is, a, is a, a wing backup, somebody essentially that would be Warriors insurance for us. So if they're going small, we can ha we have extra bodies to roll out there and stay fresh with the Jr. Iman. Mm -hmm. Kyrie, Delhi, platter that we have, assuming we can only play one big guy at a time, or maybe go with lineups with LeBron at center, it'd be great to have another like, Corey Brewer type uh, out there, right? Corey Brewer, the added benefit being that he was Kevin Love's best friend when they were in Minnesota, <laughs> yeah. which is a, an odd combination, right? Yeah, and, and catching all those outlet passes. Right. Um, but that type, um, yeah. I think, is who we're after. And honestly, none of the names that have been floated so far to me, fit that description. Mm -hmm. So Ben Mclemore, I guess, would be the closest version. I got no. But you want your wing to have some good defense, right? I mean, that's what Corey Brewer has, right? Corey mm -hmm. Brewer is a good, a good defensive player. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Reza, a good defensive yeah. player and a three-point shooter. Uh, and, and Corey Brewer can shoot threes too. He's decent, right? I think. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. Uh, you can hit open threes, which is what all you need somebody to do. Right? I don't. Right. just need spot up three-point shooters. We get those in space. Exactly. Jared Dudley would be amazing. From the Wizards, uh, but I don't think the Wizards are going to make that deal. And, they don't, they don't get and I don't, I don't know that he's, he's too old for me. If I'm being honest, I actually don't it's know. It's forty-four percent three-point shooting. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not that. That's true. That's a name that I have earlier, not, yeah. not recently, but not recently. Around and out and there. I think, I think it's faded because the Cavs obviously wanted him. But I think Wendy mentioned it in some, uh, some podcast. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't seem like that was going to actually uh, happen for them. You know, the other thing out there is the Joe Johnson buyout. Yeah, that, 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 no. He doesn't shoot well anymore. No, he's too, he's too old. 
He's not a good defender. Like, why? We already have Jr. We don't need that. Jr. Smith. Or not Jr. I'm sorry. Our, our Richard Jefferson. Uh, so I I do not understand. Or we don't need that. And honestly, something we should be thinking about in trades is either veterans who can 100 percent or 100 percent confident can help us win, yeah. or younger players because yeah. that's a problem that we're going to have moving forward is mm-hmm. is getting young talent in. Yeah. Although we still have all our first round draft picks after this year. Um, that's true. We haven't traded any of them away. We, we can't yet, right? Because of the sleeping rule. Uh, we can't yet because I think the the one that is available this year is um, uh, protected in some way, mm-hmm. some number protected, mm-hmm. and so that the pick actually has to happen before, and then we get two years then out from that right. we can start trading them. But because it could defer, you have to wait for that to actually happen before the others are available for us to trade. Right. So I, you know, I suspect there's a lot of stuff out there that we haven't heard, and if. I would bank on the Cavs doing something, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, Chris Grant is a horse trader. This is not cool. Chris Grant. Oh jeez. Oof. What's, Ouch. what's wrong with me? Ouch. Griffin. That that's mean? not cool. I'm that's, sorry, Griff. Yeah, that's that's not true. Chris Grant is a horse trader. What he I is said is that was not inaccurate. <laughs> no, it's not. He just not. Just, he's no longer our horse trader. It seemed irrelevant to the discussion. Man. I think I was in my mind because I was reading rumors, and he's in the. Uh, he and Danny Ferry are both in the Nets GM. Right. Running, right? That's true. The rumor mill, whatever that means. So mm-hmm. I, I think they do something. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they did two things. I think the Cavs most likely to be traded are Mo and Mozgov, mm-hmm. probably. And I think that don't be surprised if uh, if Shumpert gets dealt. Um, Shumpert, is... they're really going to have to get something back for because yeah. he signed to a reason, like, what I think is a reasonable deal, especially mm-hmm. with the exploding cap space. So if he's dealt, then we're doing we're talking about a much bigger yeah deal for yeah. something exactly. No, I agree. Um, I'd be a little surprised about that, honestly. I think they want to move around the margins more than anything. What I also wouldn't be surprised is that nothing ends up happening. It's one of those things where everything's crazy, but you know, people are per- paralyzed by by options. I don't, I, the Cavs I, not having anything because I think yeah. other teams are. I think something big is going to happen here. Yeah. I think there's enough in the league between the Hawks talking about blowing things up, the Rockets talking about blowing things up. Um, Celtics have a, this treasure trove of. Of assets that they need to start doing something with, I, I some be, moves are going to happen. I, I just don't. I, it wouldn't shock me if the Cavs weren't done, and what they waited for was buyouts to do. Right, right. I, yeah, I wouldn't there. be surprised if the Cavs don't do anything. Not because they didn't want to, but just because they didn't have the right deal on the table. Yeah. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we don't get any big deals because I feel like I feel like the Hawks and the Rockets are mostly testing waters, uh, and uh, you know. It, if teams like Boston that have the assets, the buyers, right, don't pony up enough, I could see them. I could see them calling their bluff and being like, "No, yeah, uh, nothing, and nothing ends up happening." But I, I think it's more likely that something gets. The other wrinkle here that I've heard talk of is that people are so scared of the Warriors and what they're mm-hmm. going to be, maybe not just now, but for the next few years. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, our window's shut right now, so let's let's start stock peel off assets, start stockpiling, peel off yeah. what's usable now, start, 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 start a window in five years." Yes. Yeah. Just Which is insane, and I think a stupid way to do. Yeah, no, you can't. Because you, ne- honestly, you never know what's going to happen. Stephen Curry could turn his ankle in the first round of the playoffs and be out for him. Yep. Super easy. Yep. Um, and that's the thing. We have an easy. We, we have a very. I don't want to say you know sure sure uh, 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 foolproof, but we have a very clear path to the finals. Pretty much this year. Next year, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with all this, some of the deals in the, the, the landscape yeah, may change, but we have a very easy path to the finals this year. 
and you don't see it that. Just get there. Just get to the files and see what the fuck happens. Yes. Anything can happen. Totally agree. One of them could be uh, that Kyrie makes the leap, right? Mm-hmm. We've been talking about, I know, the game this podcast, uh, our season preview, I should say, I kind of floated the idea that I think the only way the Cavs win a title is if Kyrie Irving becomes the Cavs' best player. Not because LeBron, originally I said that because I thought LeBron was a little bit, you know, he's past his right, which he is. I mean, we've seen him, we saw him miss a dunk in the past week. Yeah, I've weird. never seen that happen in my life. Uh, we've seen other signs of, you know. It's, ju- it's jump shots in the toilet and right jump now. Jump shots is dead, it's gone, it's just vanished. His defense has been a little lazy at yeah. times this year. So he's not going to ever be, it feels like, as dominant as he was. He's still incredibly, incredibly valuable. No, right? But I don't think we're seeing that second and third years in Miami when he was an efficient gone. monster and doing everything out there. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I just don't, I don't think that's coming back. Although, Again, reason to get into the final. I don't think it's impossible for him to put that together for seven games and no, remind no, the world exactly. about who he is. Right? Exactly. Like exactly. that's not impossible. No. Um, and his, but and his jumpers come back occasionally and it goes away right, again. He starts so and fits like his free throws have this year. Yeah. He, so it's not impossible for him to put it all together for for six or seven games. But I think you're right. A more likely outcome mm-hmm. and something that bodes better for the Cavs' future is for Kyrie. Yeah, and and the thing about Kyrie, uh, I mean, I, you know, David Zabak is a, you know one of the guys I follow on Cavs Twitter. Uh, he's probably I think he's the editor in chief at the you know, Sword, um, and he's been you know banging the drumbeat about nothing's wrong with Kyrie. Our offense is amazingly good when he's playing. Like yes, he dribbles the ball a lot, but he's really good at it, and he's like an incredibly efficient scorer. I'm like, I agree with all those things, but Kyrie doesn't. The point is, we aren't going up against them. I mean, if, if all we're doing is going up against the rest of the league, yeah, it'd be fine. There'd be no concerns, whatever. We could just throw out Kyrie's mm-hmm. talent, and that'd be enough. But we have the Warriors and the Spurs to deal with, and that kind of dribbling doesn't seem to do very well against them. Mm-hmm. They sniff it out. It's very easy to defend because it's the same thing every time. It become much more one-dimensional. Well, you know, what would make Kyrie so dangerous is, one, if you would just shoot threes. I don't give a shit if he misses nine shots and goes 0 for 9. Just shoot threes. I want him shooting more threes. He's such a good shooter. Yeah. That I feel like the more he shoots, the more comfortable he gets, and the more he's. And once he starts hitting a few, that's when they start coming in bunches. Yep. And that's that's for his whole game. He just doesn't have any fear. He just he just because he, he'll, he'll have games where he misses like he's like two of seven or. Oh, whatever. for sure. He just but he, he keeps shooting him. Yeah. He's Steph Curry, and I think Kyrie's got to find a way to do the exact same thing. He's pretty good at shooting three ball. It's a little more time with Jr. for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One, but two, give him, give him things some, I never thought I'd say. Exactly right. Uh, he, needs to, he needs to take a page from JR's right, exactly. Spend some time with JR. Learn yeah. about learn how to be selfish with your shot <laughs> and just, you know, when in doubt, shoot it. When in doubt, shoot it. Yeah. Uh, but no, what I really want to see from, from Kyrie more is moving off the ball. Like, it's terrifying if you have to constantly look for where this guy is going, running off back screens. It's exhausting to chase Curry. And you're terrified that he gets the ball in space and he launches up a three, launches yeah. up a shot, or has a free run to penetrate to the basket yes. and dish. Like, if he can learn that part, I don't like Chris Kyrie. He's amazing, even if he doesn't ever do this. Yes. But this would really take him to the next level. It allows you to take advantage of love at the elbows in a whole different way. I think you're running more pick-and-roll stuff with LeBron and love that you can do with Kyrie running around in the background like that I think is is outstanding. Um it's interesting, Lou's relationship with him and how that develops is going to be critical because they we talked about this last time about the the, the, the field goal percentage after zero passes, one pass, two pass, three pass, four pass, and it goes right up. Kyler's like, yeah, that's a, sort of an interesting stat, but I don't know if it really applies to me, and sometimes <laughs> you just got to do this. And 
I think Lou's point there is he wants him pushing and attacking, and I like that when he's yes. going vertical and taking the ball at the hoop and getting to the rim. Super valuable. Super valuable. It's that other stuff he does when he's not sure about anything. He can't quite get to the rim. He's just he's that has to stop. stop. Yeah, exactly. That has to stop. If his first volley is turned back, move the ball and and and, and, and get it going and try something else. Um, I think, but there's plenty of reason to be hopeful about him and what he can do. Sally's not convinced. No, there is not convinced. He's, he's very upset if you, if you heard him. Saul, we're, so. we're banking on you to be the good luck charm for this team. Come so on. I need you to fuck up. We need you to turn it around. I need you to um, fuck up, young man. What, I mean, uh, what else, before we move on to our, uh, before we leave the Cavs entirely, um, give, me, give me your thoughts about JR in particular. Um, so I, uh, see, see, he's already, Saul's already crying at how JR has been treated. By refs and by the league, it's not. Know. It's not okay. So give me your soliloquy on on, on Jr. So I was thinking about this earlier. There are games this year when Jr. might be the third guy on the Cavs that I have the most confidence in to produce. When he's out of the game, I'm it's the third guy that I'm most worried about. I think he has been awesome for us this year. And he still gets the knucklehead talk, and I'm not sure how much of that is deserved. Uh, people gave him a real hard time for the foul. Uh, I believe it was Avery Bradley or Evan Turner uh, in the Boston game, where they hit a layup, JR got called for the foul, gave him the free throw, they missed the free throw, we missed the rebound, et cetera, et cetera. All these things dominoed into a loss for us. Um, it wasn't a foul. The NBA rescinded it the next day. JR plays hard. He cares. Um, him getting tossed from the, the, the Warriors blowout game because he ran through a pick so hard. I love that. I love what he brings. Um, he is one of the more important players on the team. And interestingly, Pat earlier was telling me he thinks one of the reasons that Lamont Shumpert is considered on the potentially on the trade block is just because what JR is bringing on both ends. Uh, outstanding defender. The, his three-point shot has been... After a, a, a rough first couple weeks of the season, he's been just on fire. Um, and he's another person we talk about get to the finals and you never know what's going to happen. JR going berserker, which didn't happen last year in the finals, sadly, uh, is one of the things that I think it's, it's possible for us uh, to have hope for. And incidentally, Kyrie being around and part of the team does wonders for JR shots because he gets a lot more open oh, looks and open shots and have him running around out there with Kyrie. I love JR. I'm, I, his reputation sucks. I know why he has that reputation. I get it. He earned it. He made his bed. Now he's got to sleep in it. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I will defend him. He's got a fan probably for life with me right now, which, again, shocking and not something I thought I'd I, I wish you had worn your, uh, all your uh, silkscreen uh, JR shirts. My JR gear? <laughs> to, to this podcast. It, it, it would have been fitting. I wore that to the, the Bone Thugs concert. <laughs> nice. That does make me feel a bit, a bit feel better, actually. Uh, so, Maddie, uh, while I was in between uh, uh, dealing with poor Saul, who is, who's, you know, uh, a little upset by uh, JR's treatment, obviously, uh, I did uh, come across Bruce Bowen's uh, stats. His career stats, sorry, his career free throw shooting percentage was 57%. Oh, all right, I was right. His three point career three point shooting percentage was thirty nine percent. That's an amazingly high career three point. That, that's Kyrie's percentage right now, yeah. I think, career wise. 
But yeah, in his final seasons, he you know shot uh, his final season. He shot fifty three percent from the field from from the free throw line and forty two percent, almost forty three percent from three point yeah. range. Holy shit, that's a great that's a great catch, Matty. I remember that was a weird thing about Bruce Bowen that he couldn't hit free. Well, he made himself into that shooter, but it's like the free throw. He just never that never never, right. never came along with the rest of his game. <laughs> that is crazy. Super weird thing about him. Um, yeah, it, it, to, to share my thoughts on 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 Jr. Uh, and uh, God, just because I love having any kind of excuse to 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 play bottom threes from every which angle. Uh, what a song! One more time. Mm, see you one more time. I'm back, baby. I never left. I'm just in the Midwest. I'm bombing threes from every butch angle. It's me. I'm bombing threes from every butch angle. JR on your TV. Relevant. Till June. So right. So right. So right. I will say this. I love JR. You read the article about him. No, what's that? That was in Esquire. Oh, I think. yes. The guy from Shaker actually. The guy like, from Shaker wrote this. Took him out to like a, a bullshit suburban dinner party <laughs> in Orange or party. something, and, and he, he was, was great. He was he loved it. He ate it up. He like you know, he likes being liked by people. Yeah. Great. Uh, He's a misunderstood. It was also a really sad article too. I can't remember yeah. if we talked about this here, but he was just like, yeah, I. I He's clearly I thought that he was going to be a superstar. Superstar. And he's not, and he hasn't accepted that. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is kind of great because it means he's still going to keep growing. What, one thing I really liked is he's hitting, his three-point shots are great. He's taking wide-open shots. Um, but he's also making good moves to the basket and finishes, his mm-hmm. limit, which was missing last year when mm-hmm. he tried to drive the basket in the finals. It was, you know. But, oh, again, he was trying to create too much because he didn't have the spacing that he used to have. That was... Evaluating what we did in that finals is not. That was we were triaging. Oh God, yeah, it was ridiculous. There, it's a whole that the lane is a whole different ball game if Love and Kyrie are out there mm-hmm. uh, having the the gravity. I think that yeah, we called that last time that they do right. Yes, exactly. Just pulling guys towards them that makes that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I love Jr. I, I love him too, and uh, he's probably honestly, my top ten favorite Cavs. Easily, easily top ten favorite Cav right now, which is crazy because I hated his game. I was Before so mad when the trade was announced. Yeah, we were it getting was, Smith. Uh, oh, like, oh, what are we doing? Yeah, what have we done? This is this is crazy. Um, so uh, uh, before we move on to Browns and Tribe and our big finish here, so we're at forty six minutes now. So so far the, uh, the software has not been helping. No, uh, we're gonna blast right. We were right past the one hour. Wait, it's a special. Uh, That's true. This is podcast. a special occasion. Special occasion. Um, so yeah, last week we um, uh, introduced um, our listeners to uh, the vile sticky fins. This horrible. Sorry, little throw up in my mouth. His trading LeBron James for oh. Kyle Lowry. Yeah, and low IQ. Kyle Lowry. No, for Paul Millsap. And Paul Millsap. They were both on the list. Maybe maybe Lowry was on the. I'd have to think about. I had to think about more. Kyle Lowry, but uh, Millsap, yes. Uh, yes, all caveats that he, he was saying, not about team fit, but just straight up who has a, a better athletic IQ and who's better, who I would trade yeah. straight up for. High they, usage players with higher IQs who I would trade straight up for just LeBron down. without concern for fit. Now, we felt I, I felt bad because we were ripping on him all podcast, and we didn't really invite him to the podcast. In fact, we, we disinvited him. We said, nah, you, we're not going to have you in the podcast. Now, you felt guilty about that, though. Yeah, right? You felt exactly. like he needed to have, the, have his to face his accusers. Yeah. Um, you know, and now? No, I think we did the right thing. Thank you. Um, he, he said a long response 
I mean, long. So long. Fuck. I actually hadn't read all of it until I was looking through your notes. And uh, I saw something. I was like, oh, uh, that's what he had foul, to say. Also, just very foul-mouthed. I mean, oh, he's angry. He's I mean, got a lot of anger. Check language, please. This is a family podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> except in the playoffs. <laughs> except in the playoffs. And, and whenever I talk. Uh, but he had a couple of things. He had a couple of points uh, that he raised that were almost equally as bad as his original take. We want to quickly grow through them real quick, mm-hmm. just just to rub salt in the wound uh, for Stiggy. Uh, so uh, first off, he responded to what we we as we had said, and again we were quoting from the article that we thought was very fascinating, interesting, and in a, in a, in a talking point, which, which he clearly didn't bother to read. Just come, just read the article. It's couldn't Felton. couldn't be bothered. Or maybe it's insiders who didn't have an account. He but, is one of the cheapest human beings I know. That's true. We'll copy and paste it and send it to you. We'll yeah. send you the article. If you're too uh, cheap you. to be an NBA insider, just let us know and we'll copy and paste it. Of course, yeah. Sorry, yeah. ESPN. Um, so, so, so the first, so you know, the first point was the things love does well defensively don't translate to video. That was the possibility raised by Kevin Pelton. But that was um, sort of the thesis of his article. Yeah, which we said was kind of interesting and kind of there's some some truth to it, right? Yes. Uh, his response is, quote, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so what you're saying is that even though Kevin Love is clearly fucking up horribly on the video, he might somehow be a good defender. No, no, no. No. <laughs> okay, so for, for, for him to dance. Uh, uh, hmm. Next point, uh, uh, ESPN's real plus minus defense stat ranks him 14th. This is better than average. Again, a point from Kevin Pelton's piece. Uh, Stiggy. Plus minus is a bullshit stat that is highly misleading. So of course Pat loves it and talks about it all the time. We did this with him last year, by the yes, way. Yes, we did. We, we did, and at I, some length. Yes, and, and, you know. Again, my final point on that was, yeah, plus minus is a very, very limited stat. Mm-hmm. Plus minus, not real plus minus, Diggy. Yeah. Plus minus is a very limited stat, but it's useful to just to see what's happening on the as court. a narrative for the game. And, for and, sure. and but then you take that stat and you look into other stats. You yes. don't. You, that stat does not explain a game. Certainly from one game standpoint, does for sure. not. Uh, and certainly not over the course of, of a year. Uh, ahead of Kevin Love in these defensive plus-minus rankings, this is Stiggy again, Channing Fry, Amir Johnson, and David West. Not exactly a who's who of defensive stalwarts. Enlisted as less valuable on defense with a, deep, uh, a defensive real plus-minus of only 1.6 compared to 2.67 for Love. This Tristan Thompson. This stat is meaningless at best. Um, so my first point on these two points um, is that... A- Apparently, Stiggy finds the entire analytics movement to be hot garbage. He does. So, uh, good luck with that, Stiggy. <laughs> I thought you were an analytical guy. That you, you, no, you, no, no. Just use your eyes. What is the percentage play? The percentage play? This is a patented uh, term of Jeff for Stiggy. The percentage play. That's just doing the thing that is so obnoxious, but is most likely to have an outcome that could be favorable to you. Yeah, uh, that's what a cheapskate would do when presented with options. Okay. Is the percentage play. Defensive metrics are really difficult. Like going to <laughs> to be an ophthalmologist. <laughs> that's the percentage play. Well, it'll be a nice life. I'll make a living, and I'll do this, and it's not so much work, and I'll do this. that's that's the percentage play. I said percentage for some reason. I don't know why that, that sounded better to me. It's not yeah. it sounded more sinister to me. Percentage. The percentage play. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, look, it's real plus minus, it's not just plus minus, um, it's basically offensive rating and def- def- defensive rating. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, defensive stats and analytics are, are notoriously one of the, the weakest stats out there because it's hard, you, we don't measure it that well. Um, but this is about as good as you can get, uh, uh, stat-wise out there, and if you have another stat, uh, put it out there. there. There's zero stats in this, in this rebuttal so far. No, no, it's no, just the, my all. eyes tell me everything. Are I'm you doing. blind? You know, and, you know, maybe we are. Uh, when, when Love is on the court next to Tristan Thompson, who's a great defender of the Cavs as a team, give up less than 100 points per 100 possessions. This is from our uh, from Kelvin Pelton's piece. Well, duh. This is sticky, of course. <laughs> Love is de- able to better hide his bad defense when a great defender is rotating over to cover his mistakes. 
Again, this is a team statistic. Kevin Love's score is highly influenced by the team. And when Mozgov is out there and says, Tristan Love's score goes to shit. So who's the influential defender here? It's Tristan, not Love. Again, we're not saying he's an influential defender. We're just saying if he's surrounded by good defenders, he's not a liability. He certainly has, can be a weak spot, but he's not a tire fire. He can hold his own, and he can, he can handle himself on the floor. Right. The basic thesis of Pelton's piece, which is, he readily admits, Love can look terrible sometimes. Yep. He has these vine-worthy clips of him getting burned, but if we dig a little deeper, maybe beyond those, he can actually be a productive part of a, of a uh, high-level defense. Mm -hmm. That's it. Rustig doesn't really bother to address any of that. No. His um, thing is basically just replaying the vines over and over again. Exactly, exactly. Next one, uh, the Cavs have a high rebounding rate with Love on the floor. Uh, this is Stiggy. Uh, you're taking a a, a, a more uh, um, a calm and measured tone Thoughtful. here. Hey, assholes! Rebounding is not defense. <laughs> so can I just object to that one first before yes. we move on to a second yes. asinine point? Uh, rebounding is 100% part of defense. Your defensive possession is not over until you have secured the ball and started down the other way. <laughs> that Defensive rebounding is defensive rebounding. It mm -hmm. is 100% part of defense. And when you see uh, Kevin Love's rebound statistics, I mean, they're, they're overwhelmingly good. Not just his actual rebounds, his own personal rebounds. Take away, take that away entirely. If he always empty rebounds, right? He just grabs those easy balls and makes sure he you know, takes away from other players mm -hmm. so he can pad his stats, right? The, the empty rebounds, empty stats. Um, no, his time in, in Minnesota and uh, in Cleveland, the rebounding rate for the team as a whole is always higher when he's on the floor. It's always been higher. He... People have to account for him, which leaves openings for other guys. He increases our chances at getting rebounds yes. on a possession basis. Um, you know, Sigurd goes on to say one reason that Love gets so many rebounds is that he often doesn't close out. Huh? How do you get mm -hmm. rebounds by not closing out or fails to rotate altogether? So yes, when you're just standing under the bucket hoping that a wide open shooter will miss, you will have one hell of a high rebounding rate. I, I, where I mean, he's he, saying he's not doing anything on defense. He's just hanging out under the rim. Out. That's not my experience it's watching not, well, That's I, not my experience watching them at all. Again, that's my eyes. I'll that, come to his quote later about that. But that's also not what the, necessarily yeah. what the numbers tell us. Uh, uh, so he thinks this, the, the stat, he thinks that having a high rebounding rate with Love on the floor is, an, is actually, quote, an indictment of Love's defense. Interesting. Ah, just convoluted thinking. Hattie, we may have to do a if if, if there's a slow if it's a slow sports news week. Maybe we we'll just need to have Stiggy on just to just to talk for an hour, and we'll sit in the background and have no one listen to it. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine, and then just throw it in the garbage right afterwards. I'm fine with that. Although I, I do feel now I'm feeling guilty again. He's yeah. going to write us another obnoxious email, and you'll be right sure. back in this position again. And then we'll read Don't. it. And then we'll read it again. <laughs> okay. It'll be great material. The cycle so, continues. As as he, as he as he referred to himself in a, in a, in a nice nice uh, moment of uh, of. Um, Having such a humor about himself, <laughs> he said. He said that he's the Donald Trump of our podcast. Oh, <laughs> he just makes outrageous statements so that we have something to talk about. Yeah. Which it's true. So thank you, thank you, Stiggy. Hard to argue. We're ten minutes of, of Stiggy. <laughs> so far, we're still going. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go quick. There's there's too much stuff. I mean, I'll try and go quickly as I can through the rest of this. Uh, I, I said I like. I said that I like how Kevin Love puts himself in the right positions. At least he's not having to scramble to recover. Uh, Stiggy, Jesus, Kevin Love is constantly in the wrong position. That's why he's always scrambling. Doesn't anticipate what offenses will do. He is scandalously late with his pick-and-roll uh, defense. He is not good on his pick-and-roll defense. That's true. It's been well-established. Uh, he rotates late or goes to the wrong man. That's why he's scrambling. I mean, yes, in the Vine videos, that he that's when he looks bad. He's out of position. The point being, I we watch the games. 
If you watch him closely, he's actually, especially with having a good defensive night, which has been a lot, a lot of them, certainly since Ty Lue took over, mm-hmm. he's been playing much better defense. Um, but he gets to be in the right position a lot. Uh, you watch the game, most of the time he's actually putting himself in the right position. He's smart, he moves, and when he gets one-on-one, he, he will occasionally, I mean, occasionally, like, usually I see him one-on-one, if he's exposed, he does okay. Like, first of all, it's not a, if you get a big, isolated on a penetrating uh, guard, it should be a bucket almost every single time, mm-hmm. or at least a high score rate. He holds his own. Yeah. He's not as good as Tristan Thompson, but no one's asking him to be. No. That's the point. Um, anyway, Matty, uh, he said, you, you said, don't trust your eyes. Instead, he says, the fuck? <laughs> Always trust your eyes, particularly if you played organized basketball and understand why the games are won and lost. I guess that statement only applies to me. You know, his organized basketball is like a pickup games at the Y. <laughs> Not like he's on a real basketball team ever. <laughs> Nonsense. And the don't trust your eyes thing is a core part of what analytics is about, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that is a huge... You can't trust your eyes. No. We, humans make mistakes constantly. We need uh, to create other systems to check ourselves yeah. for the biases that we have. That is sort of the fundamental basis of analytics. Uh-huh. Exactly. So let's get, get some objective information in mm-hmm. and try to double-check what our intuitions are. It's not that intuition isn't important or that you shouldn't use your eyes ever, but the thesis of Kevin Pelton's piece was your eyes tell you that he's a bad defender, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe. There you go. Uh, last couple Trust things. your eyes to read the piece for Steve. How about that? <laughs> Pull your mouth off. Uh, I feel like Kevin Love is in position. This is me. Uh, I, I said if, I feel like Kevin Love is in position most of the time, except when he's put in motion, then he gets exposed, which is why you want to have motion on offense. It, it, it puts the defensive guys out of their positions and makes them easier yep. to attack. Uh, oh, my fucking God, Pat. So what you're saying is that Kevin Love, like, I just sort of picture um, uh, uh, Stiggy sitting in his room, like uh, uh, scribbling in a notebook yes. and... and <laughs> just like what I back in high school around walls. him. <laughs> Uh, mind situation. So what you're saying is that Kevin Love plays great parking cone defense. He's great defending, except for all those times when he has to move nonsensical. No, my point being, when the ball, when when when, a, when an offense is in motion, which is what you want in offense, because it gets defenders, regardless of whether the name is Kevin Love or not, out of position. I mean, just just by off a hair mm-hmm. that you that you don't want to be. You're not in an ideal position where you want to be. Then he 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 issues a him to recover, and yeah, that's where he can be a little bit yeah. exposed. Uh, but I find him being good enough at anticipating the motion to get himself in enough position to be able to, to, to yeah. hold his own. I, you know, he had a couple of bad positions, but I think Kevin Love can play solid defense. I think he can be a solid, okay defensive System player. defender. Again, System this, defense. Is, this is, That's this all is critical. Yes. Nobody's nominating him for all-league all defense. Mm-hmm. He's not a great defender, but he is not a tire fire. Yeah, not a tire fire. And maybe he can be a net asset. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's the supposition here. All right, last one. Do you want to get to the last one? Uh, uh, this is one for you. So Matt said, "I'm not worried about Kevin Love guarding Tim Duncan. I'm not worried about that matchup." Um, Sticky said, "Holy fuck! I thought fuck is in every single one of his answers. I like. He's I really, I really enjoyed this. Uh, go back and watch those vines from the first Spurs game again. On at least two possessions, Duncan abuses the hell out of Love in one-on-one situations for easy buckets, and that's just in crunch time." Are we all watching the same games here? First of all, I believe that it was only in crunch time that those baskets actually happened. I never yeah. saw Tim Duncan do anything on offense the rest of the game. Nope. He did a few, like he was cleaning out. He wasn't doing one on one on Kevin Love. So, and my um, point here is, you, you cover this while I uh, uh, attend to uh, Solomon. Sure, again. I might cover this for a minute and then maybe yeah. transition. So, yeah. my point here was just, I like Tim Duncan is an old man, uh, and he's it's incredible that he's doing what he's doing. But I'm, my, I'm not worried about his one on one post play being the difference in a series against the Spurs. And I think Kevin Love's one-on-one defense against Duncan will be adequate enough to not make that the reason why we lose in a series to them. That's the only point that I make 
I will go back and watch the vines. The vines from that Spurs game were heard getting caught in motion, the ones that we discussed earlier, and not really related to one-on-one defense with, with Tim Duncan. Um, so for Steve, we look forward to your long, rambling, nonsensical email about all this. Please let us know if you need us to send you that article so you can actually read it and, and maybe have uh, an informed, intelligent conversation with us about this next time. Um, all right, so as Pat attends to his, his, his crying infant, uh, I'm going to move us forward and start a little bit of Brown's talk. Um, not a great couple weeks for Johnny Football since the last time we talked. Uh, I, I think this is blessedly the end of things for, for him and the Browns, uh, possibly for him in the league. The whole situation seems to have spiraled from uh, funny... Uh, even I, Pat and I had a conversation about his, his drinking. We were like, if, I can't, if, if my quarterback can't uh, go out drinking and carousing a little bit, what's the point of being a quarterback? Um, to disheartening for what it, how it was impacting his play, to now just very sad and, you know, the, to the talk from his father about him not making it to his 24th birthday and, and all that stuff is just bad. Like, I, you know, I, I don't wish him ill. I hope he gets the help he needs, but yeah. let's not make this the Browns problem. The Browns clearly aren't doing anything uh, to help the situation. Um, the disturbing talk that, that report that the Browns lied about him being in the concussion protocol to cover up for him showing up to practices drunk. Uh, it was not great. The Browns have denied it, and I'm not sure that's really yeah, going to end up being true, although I would not put it past the regime that has, that has been fired right. subsequently, but that clearly was something that could be in their playbook. What, is, I, 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 what I followed up on, on the article that we all read on Legends Players, uh, our, 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 our lister, um, uh, our high school lister, um, I read a report by Panic Maneman afterwards, my namesake, uh, not me, uh, that basically uh, the Browns were like, no, he said, I am feeling these symptoms, which we have to just treat it. We can't, we can't just say, oh, you're probably lying because you're, you're hungover. Right. Uh, they have to treat it seriously. They have to go to a doctor that's not paid by the Browns. It's not controlled by that terrible fucking regime. It's right. an independent guy that's hired by the league who says, Yes, he has a his confession symptoms. You have to shut him down. Right. So that's their point. It's like, dude, we, <laughs> we have no problem pointing out what a fucking asshole he is. Like, yeah. we don't give a shit. We, why would we carry water for him? Right. Uh, we we did what we had to do under league protocol, and that, that kind of rings true. To that me feels a little bit. more true yeah. to me too. It's just more of an easy story. And, and and what really got crazy was the reporter who broke the story or said, or said it on NFL Network mm-hmm. said said uh, uh, the Browns lied. He later. Uh, on Twitter, went back to say that he regretted the use of the word lie. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, and who knows what else uh, uh, goes from that, but that's that's what he said. So, so there is that. Um, so, Pat, you've heard some some Josh Gordon getting released rumors. So, Manziel will get released, I think, probably yes. in March for salary cap considerations. Um, you heard some Josh Gordon rumors, so that seemed weird. Did but I have not seen anything on Twitter since today, so I think it was just a bullshit Twitter rumor. But you know, uh, uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, had tweeted something about fresh starts. Uh, uh, he also liked like 51 times a bunch of different tweets of talking about Josh Gordon being in, uh, being traded to the New York Giants. 
like like just fans. And uh, I love to see Josh Gordon in New York. He's like, ooh, I like that. Like you know, it was like weird stuff that Josh Gordon doing. Yeah. That fueled it, uh, uh, and then some other kind of like made up chatting. I will say, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Clearly, this is an asset for us that we might as well explore. I hope Hugh Jackson is the kind of guy that can get himself get to straight him. Yeah, I'd rather keep him. Uh, but I'm I'm, fine with, I'm also fine with this training him if we get something. If we get for sure, but just the cut him seems nonsensical yeah. to me. Yeah, a team would love to take a chance on him. Um. So let's let's keep. I, I said, do, do we want? Do we think uh, which of our offensive linemen do we think we keep? So beyond um, Mitchell Schwartz, supposedly is like one of the best right tackles in football. Right, right? Mitchell Schwartz, Alex Mack. Talk about failing an eye test. Right? Right? But honestly, look, if that's what the stats say, it's hard to it's hard to argue with it. So that's a question. Is so, so just gut check. We won't go deep into the numbers right now because there's a lot that still has to play out between Thomas Mack and Mitchell. Who's who's back next year? I mean. As we saw in uh, the AFC Championship game, right, uh, as well as a little bit of the Super Bowl, uh, uh, not having a right side, right, a good right tackle is about as important as not having a good left tackle. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to protect that edge. Um, centers tend to be easier to find. Yeah. So if I mean, I just drafted one last year, I think. Yeah, yeah in the right. first round. Except he's apparently terrible. Um, so I think you let Matt go if you have to, um, and keep Shorts. But I don't know. If, it sounds like we're going to lose both. Matt Dancewards was just kind of a disaster. I think that's what I would bet on too. Is that uh, Joe Thomas stays? He's convinced that poor poor man is convinced. Poor poor man. Could have wanted to you see those tweets after the Super Bowl. Could have Super Bowl. Like, there's, there's Joe Thomas' Super Bowl. Yeah. Gone. Gone. Um, yeah. Thomas back, and I, I think I'm with you. I think neither Mac nor Schwartz is back, and yeah. then we, which also means we probably burn a high draft pick, not a first rounder, but a high exactly. draft pick another, on, a, on an offensive line. Another Antonio type pick. Yeah. yeah. Um, finally, uh, Tony Grossi tweeted something out today, which was my sobering review of the Browns' 2015 roster paints a grim portrait. I don't, I don't like to see the word sobering and grim in my Browns headlines. No, so I'm not going to go through the whole list, but the top 10 for best Browns players for the years they had. One, Joe Thomas. Of course, of course. Two, Gary Barnage. Uh, that, I mean, he had a good year. A little larger, but had a very good year. A thousand yards receiving. But the sad thing is, I think he's right, and that is that is so brick. Number three, Travis Benjamin. <sighs> Top again, sixty-eight catches, nine hundred sixty-six yards, five it's a pretty TDs. Good year. It's a pretty good year. Punt return TD. Mm-hmm. Four, Carlos Dansby. Uh oh. <sighs> Led the defense in total snaps at thirty-four years old. 108 tackles, three interceptions, two return for touchdowns. Two. That's, That's true. not a bad year. Not a bad year. Number five, your boy Mitchell Schwartz. Mitchell Schwartz. Shocking. Six, Des Bryant. Not a terrible sign. He's been all right no, he's for been us. Pretty good. Oh, yeah, he's been good. This is a good sign. Uh, seven, our punter. <laughs> Andy Lee. That's never good. Things start to get yeah, bad. That's never good when uh, you punters in the top ten. No. Eight, Alex Mack. Yeah. Nine, nine the Crow. Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, a decent second half of the year. Not for my fantasy football team. <laughs> and 10, uh, Josh McCown. Yeah, Josh had a good year when he, when he wasn't getting concussed. So I'm not going to go through all of the rest. It gets more depressing from there. And there's some guys, you know, uh, uh, Joe Hayden's missing because he didn't play enough games to make, yeah. to make the, the construct that, uh, that Grossi created. But of that top 10, you know, McCown may or may not play a role with us next year. Matt could be gone. Schwartz could be gone. Dansby's super old. It is a grim picture. 
This is grim. It is it's a grim sobering. picture. This is grim and sobering. So, you know, I have. I think we both feel some hope with the front office and coaching decisions that they've made. But yeah. there is a long road to hope for, for our poor Brownies, Patty. All right, man. This is depressing to me. Let's, let's move on to the tribe. All right, let's talk about the tribe a little bit. So I got us real excited last year for the tribe, and things didn't quite work out. Yeah. Um, well, we had the Sports Illustrated Jinx. Sports Illustrated Jinx, which shouldn't happen again. Uh, Scooter, uh, our, our friend, probably will will we'll double down on any jinxes that happen. We'll see. Of course. A um, couple bad injury things. You know, the Jan Gomes thing hurt. Uh, they waited uh, through the beginning of the year to improve their defense. So they went from one of the worst defensive teams in the league mm-hmm. to one of the best uh, by moving Chisenhall off of third base to right field where he was outstanding and bringing up Lindor and, and Urshela. And right. the defense got way better. So... I am hopeful for this year. I like uh, their starting pitching should again be outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Er- Brantley's banged up at the beginning of the year, but I think they expect him back by the end of April, beginning of May. Um, Jan Gomes back and should be healthy. The mm. Napoli signing, I liked for the money that they're doing. He could come in and hopefully provide a little thump. That's a classic, classic Indian signing too, right? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the one-year flyer on a, on a big bat. Yep. Um... And so I think what we're going to need to see this year for success is so our starting pitching to be what we think it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for Bauer to mature a little and really do it for the year. But I think Kluber and Carrasco, everybody loves. They're in most people's top 20, certainly top 15 for others, pitchers in the league. Yeah, uh, I think you can see Salazar and, and Bauer make sig- significant steps up. Uh, we're going to need to see some pop. So I'm going to need to see 18 to 25 home runs from Gomes, Napoli, Kipnis, uh, Chisenhall, mm-hmm. and Santana, and Brantley. All of those guys. It is within their skill set for all of them. And uh, honestly, Lindor. Lindor could be up so there, Lindor too. Could he finish with 13 home runs? He can hit 20 home runs. Um, we have to see that kind of thump um, yep. from the lineup. On a regular basis. I don't think we have a 30 home run hitter unless Santana really makes 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 a big leap this year, which seems sort of unlikely. Yeah. Um, but that's what we're going to need to see. Third base, so this is one of the, the, the two sort of open questions for the Indians right now. So are they going to add anybody in the outfield beyond um, Rajai Davis? Yeah, who's the one guy, the one name that we were looking at? He's really old, like 38. Um, the Astros, I think he played recently. No, no, not Astros. Dodgers, I think he's played recently. Oh, that's a third base. So that's third base. Oh, I'll, I'm get sorry, him, I'm sorry. I'll get to him in a second. So outfield, I suspect they're not going to do anything. They're not going to go after Dexter Fowler. They're not, I don't think they're going to do anything that, that would mean they'd have to give up their draft pick. Right. Which is smart to me. Uh, I think they weather the storm, and they've got um, good prospects coming up there, which I'll talk about in a second. So I think they're done there. The third base question was uh, Juan Uribe. Right, Juan Uribe. Was the player there sniffing around? David Freeze, former World Series MVP, is still out there. Mm-hmm. I just watched Pat, by the way, pick up a pacifier off the ground to clean it with his mouth and then put it in his son's mouth. Becca, I hope you don't listen to this. Well, it's, it's love. I just, I, I get, if there's any bad microbes out there, I'll take them. I'll, I'll, I'll take one for the team. You're, you're an amazing human being. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so I personally <laughs> think they, I think you roll with Urshela. I think. Uh, yeah. His defense is good enough. You got Ramirez. Yeah. Should be on the team as your utility guy with the Vilas gone. Uh, and I think you hope that his hitting. He hit bit pretty well in the minors and just came up last year. Was hurt for a large portion of the year and didn't, didn't come through. Yeah. Um, I think we roll with him. Excitingly, their top prospects list: um, Clint Frazier and Bradley Zimmer, both in uh, both in Keith Law's top 100 and in Baseball America's, both in the top 50. Both starting the year at Double A, probably not ready this year, but next year should be up and going. So I don't think we're going to see a major investment in 
the outfield. Uh, mm. Both conceivably could play center field, um, although I don't think we'll see it from both. I think Frazier probably will move off of that at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, but good pop coming. Uh, Justice Sheffield, the young guy, came out of high Who's school. That? He was a third round pick, I think, for them a couple years that ago. That sounds exciting. Young guy um, in uh, Baseball America's top 100 prospect list. Brady Aiken, who they took a flyer on, who was like the number one pick in the draft two years ago. Oh. Didn't sign with his team, blew out his shoulder. Uh, a really high upside investment pick from them oh, in a lot of the 100s. And they do have a first baseman in the system, Roby, with a little bit of thumb. All oh, right, uh, that I'm I'm hoping will come to. So I, the Indian system is usually ranked between 10 and 15 right now, which is not Great. terrible, and and feels like it's on the come up a little bit. And I think uh, had really nice drafts the last two years. So I have some some hope there too. We'll see what happens as spring training shakes out. Um, but it, the tribe should be good again this year. They're going to need some breaks to get through, and but as we've seen, you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the playoffs are certainly a possibility for them this year. So playoffs, playoffs. We're talking about, you talking about playoffs. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, that makes that makes me feel happy. Um, all right. Well, I, uh, Solomon is uh, is telling us that we're done. I think I think he's right. He's like, God, Dad, you said, oh great, I have a clock here. I'm going to stay on time and keep it under an hour, and you're now 12 minutes and 40 seconds over on your time. Wrap it up, Dad. Yeah. So uh, I think we'll take that cue from Solomon. Uh, Solomon, say hello to everyone. You say hello. He's looking at me like, what? I'm, a, I'm a fucking baby. I'm four years old. No earmuffs. I don't even have to use earmuffs. You don't understand what I'm saying. All right. Uh, that does it for the Cleveland Sports Hour. Uh, until next time, this is Maddie and Patty saying, Friendship. All right, buddy. Nice work. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Come on, cats. Gotta make it happen. Come on, cats. Gotta make it happen with your fast break action. Gotta make it happen. Just keep on coming on. Gotta make it happen. Come on, Make it.
Keep on getting on 